Hey, Max. What's up, Josh? Not much. It's podcast time for this month. It is. It is heavy podcast time. <laughs> heavy podcast time. And along with heavy podcast time, we have some heavy music coming in with some heavy jazz players. So Brennan Carter is a trumpeter and Scott Flynn is a trombone player. And the two of them have made a record together called Many Moons. So I guess they met together while playing with Odessa. Brennan's got a really long resume of people that he's played with, but I really enjoy his work with The Dip. And I also like um, Scott's work with Pretty Lights and... I guess he's played with multiple members of Snarky Puppy, like Chris Bullock and Bill Lawrence. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's a long list of collaborators for both of them, and this should be a really fun record to check out. Yeah, I've heard that Brendan has played with Alan Stone and Jamie Cullum and stuff, too. Yeah, that's... Wow. Um, okay. Well, let's check out this Bring record and talk to those yeah. two. All right. Hey, how's it going? What's up, guys? What's up, everyone? What's up? Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So first question we have is, how did you two get started playing music? Let's start with you, Scott. I started playing out music when I was in elementary school, and there was an A on, you know, what is it? Uh, We all hung out in the auditorium. It was like an event or whatever, and they all showed the instruments, and I was sold. I just wanted to play instruments, and... Started out on trumpet and switched to trombone a few years later, and uh, that was like 30 years ago. (laughs) Nice. I'm curious what precipitated the choice for trumpet specifically and why the change to trombone? That's a good good question. I guess I I haven't thought about what precipitated it. I mean, trumpet's pretty cool. I liked the brass, I think. I was, the woodwinds were cool, but the brass kind of felt pretty special to me, and I started to play trumpet and um, I guess I was a little impatient. I couldn't get the range that I wanted to get that other kids at the age of like eight or nine were able to get. And so I was kind of curious about other stuff. And my teacher had a baritone horn. And I, and I was like, this is cool. And I played that for a while. But then I found out that the, the jazz band didn't take baritone horn. And so I was like, <laughs> I had to be in the jazz band because I just loved all music. And um, they said, well, we can do the trombone. And uh, I got into the trombone. And kind of fell in love with it more and more over a long period of time. At first it was kind of like just the vehicle to get into the jazz band, but then I really got deeper and deeper with it over time. Very nice. Very cool. Brendan, what about you? Yeah, it's a pretty similar story to Scott. I started in fifth grade. I really wanted to play the French horn. I thought that was the coolest sound. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. Yeah, I know. By really wanting to play the French horn. <laughs> yeah, I guess That's I should awesome. I should back up. Uh, the first instrument I started learning was piano, and my brother was taking piano lessons. He's a year older than me, and um, the teacher would come to our house, and he hated taking piano lessons. And he would every week just kind of run and hide when the piano teacher showed up. Until one time, he hid really well, I guess. And my mom was like, "I think we're done with." piano lessons and and then i was like i'll do them and so i just took that lesson that day and yeah started playing piano and then yeah then i started playing the trumpet because they told me i need to play the trumpet in order to move on to the french horn and then you know bada bing bada boom i was in jazz band i learned who (laughs) freddie hubbard was and just kept going so did you ever make it to playing french horn no i didn't i did uh play tuba in the concert band in middle school 
per my uh, music teacher's request. And then I also played bass trombone in the second jazz band in high school. Wow. Uh, nice. Sounds like you both have taken a brass tour. Uh, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Scott, Scott was always playing my trumpet on tour, too. Were you playing you his know. trombone on tour, too? I played it a couple times, but... <laughs> he should play it some more. <laughs> How did you guys meet each other? We met through Odessa, and I literally met Brennan the day that everyone or whatever the band flew into L.A., and I literally remember like going to my hotel room, being like, I'm sharing this room with this guy, Brennan, who plays trumpet, who I don't know, and I'm about to go on tour with. And just walked in and met him and became pretty fast friends, I'd say. Yeah, real quick. Um, yeah, that was 2016, right? March. Hmm. That's right. Around then. And there was a horn section of just me and Scott. And so we, we toured around and spent most, yeah, more time. I spent more time with Scott than most people those years. <laughs> Yeah. So I have a question. Forgive my uh, inadequate knowledge of Odessa, but uh, I mean, I've listened to a little bit, but when I hear Odessa, I don't think about horn sections first, usually. Sure. Great observation. What do you guys, how does that factor into the music when you guys are touring? Do you have like a full band arrangement of everything? And there, those guys make music pretty meticulously. And I know that they, you know, we were the horns. It's and I wasn't there for the origins, but it seemed like from from the beginning, the horns were really just a live accentuation from what they were doing with mm. their music. So, as much as we were the horn section and we were a band, we we're really more of a development of the live Odessa experience. I would say. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I I think that's accurate, and I also think though there is kind of a thread in a lot of odessa and odessa related music that integrates the kind of brass sound uh you know like brass pads synth kind of things that sound like yeah. horns and uh i think we were there to kind of like provide a little live shimmer on those existing things at the show so very cool that makes sense how did you both end up playing with odessa in the first place well i had met their now longtime tour manager bronco in a previous band called Pretty Lights, um, which is one guy, but he put together a band that I was a part of with, a couple, with Adam Deitch and Brian Coogan and uh, Borum Lee and Eric Bloom. And Bronco Tour managed that operation for a while. And we became friends. And he, a couple of years later, after that had happened and he had moved on, there was a trombone opening in Odessa and he called me for it. So that's how I got into the fold. Yeah, and it was an interesting story. I, I had gotten a few calls to do the Odessa horn section, and the first couple fell through, and then I ended up subbing for the other trumpet player that was playing, Jonathan, who is a Seattle guy, and he kind of moved on to different projects, and I kind of just kept kept doing it after he was done. So, Gotcha. That's yeah. rad. Well, we're here actually to not talk about Odessa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're here to talk about this amazing new record that the two of you have played on and produced called Many Moons. And it's very different from Odessa. Tell us about how this project came about. Yeah, I like to think that this project started in the stairwells and green rooms and weird spaces and music venues like all over the world where Scott and I were trying to let off some steam and just play creative music and we would oftentimes just do free improv both of our backgrounds 
include a lot of free improvisation that we studied in university. And so we would just kind of let off steam and just play together with no expectations or or anything like that because the music that the only music that we had played together like was horn parts pretty simple horn parts usually and it seemed kind of a shame to not you know get to know each other musically in a deeper way so yeah i don't know scott what do you think well i love the way you put that man because um i agree it's like the thing that we did musically definitely rooted in like the you know, release the friendship, ongoing relationship we had like throughout tour, you know, and just as humans and always had a deep resonance with improvised or creative music with Brennan from the moment we kind of recognized that we enjoyed that. But I remember distinctly having, it was like, we had played at that festival and I'm going to forget the name of the festival, but it was in Alabama and Kendrick Lamar had played and it was awesome. And we had been doing a few, hangout, it was hangout. And we had done a, I don't know, for whatever reason, when we went back to the hotel, I was not going to hang at all. I was like, I'm going back to the hotel room. I'm tired. I'm going to chill and like take a shower and just relax. And I was just kind of zoning out, just recuperating. And it literally came to me. I was just like, oh, I have to, I just want to make a jazz record with Brennan. I'm gonna, as soon as I like, you know, I'm going <laughs> to like text him right now and be like, yo, we're doing this. Just like, it felt very matter of fact and, and in a cool kind of random inspired way that also felt like supernatural um in the way that brennan described yeah so yeah i remember that text nice (laughs) and i was like yeah that's obvious (laughs) now the two of you start out as trumpet and trombone players saying like all right we're gonna make a jazz record and you're not the only two people on the record how did the other folks on this record come about how did this come together to gel as a project right yeah so once we decided that we wanted to make a record there was some decisions to be made like where we wanted to record it and who we wanted to be involved which i guess was the follow-up question to where so the other band that i was touring with and still tour with is called the dip and we have a studio in seattle and it just seemed kind of obvious that we should do it there because it was going to be cheap and it's like home court advantage and (laughs) we scott and i were playing in san francisco on new year's several years ago and we were just like okay we'll have scott fly up to seattle and we'll just get some some seattle folks to to record and just do it quick and dirty no rehearsals just kind of whatever happens in the studio happens we'll capture it and then figure out how to whittle it down into a record that makes sense and so mm-hmm. that's when we that's when i called up uh evan woodle mark hunter and daniel salka and asked tom eddie um also from the dip if he would record it and um mix it and yeah we just did it came together Brad, that's really awesome well Let's maybe check out some music. Give it a listen. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. We're going to take a listen to Mirror of Light.
Wow, I love the gorgeous lush textures in this all up and down the frequency spectrum across the different instruments. Tell me about this tune. What is it about? Where did the title come from? Yeah, let's let's hear some background on this. Sure. This is one that I had brought in and I didn't have the title till later, but I came in with a tune that was basically a re- response or just a direct influence from my experience listening to the music of Pharaoh Sanders. Pharaoh Sanders is a pretty prolific kind of improviser, creator. Rest in peace, by the way. Yeah, recently passed. Yeah, which is a bummer, um, to say the least. But that music, a lot of it has these sort of long, extended, lush textures that have, you know, some more or less movement, some of them very stagnant, but other than others moving a lot throughout. And it's just this beautiful texture that I just wanted to play with. And when we got, when we knew we were going to get together for this record, I was like, oh, I'm just going to just jot something, draft something down that, that I think could work with that. And I think we did, we, I think we actually just did one take too. Like it just went, Yeah. you know, I knew we had the right players. And so I wasn't even too worried. It didn't, there wasn't much dictating. It was just like, let's, let's go for it. Here's a, here's a chord progression. Here's some notes that Brennan and I can play and then let's see what happens. And yeah, it came together beautifully. I really like how it came out. That's awesome. Yeah. This is a really interesting piece. And when I heard it first, I was kind of thinking like in the back of my head, I hadn't thought about you guys also playing with Odessa and stuff. And now when I think about this and also that it's like this really crazy contrast of like the fact that you can do both of these things professionally is really cool because they're so different. Yeah. This is a, this is a really nice piece. I like it. Thank you. One note on the title too, that I just realized later, I was like, most of the most of the songs didn't have titles when we were recording them. It was very much like we got the music together or some framework, passed it out, and then explained it. Did one or two takes, and then later on, I was like Scott, that I, I picked the title for the album, and then we titled most of the tracks after that. I was like Scott, that's so brilliant. Mirror of light. It's like the moon you know the moon is a mirror of light and he's like oh, i didn't even think about that <laughs> yeah no that's right i forgot about the fact that yeah i had said that to brennan and he said that and he had this is after i think we had named it many yeah, moons, moons which yeah. was like i was like oh i didn't even yeah i didn't even think about the moon being a mirror of light even though it's literally like a mirror <laughs> of light but the way the way that i i forgot yeah i did come up with that name and i my the kind of image I had was looking at yourself as one that is filled with light or filled with goodness, kind of like seeing yourself in this pure way. Um, not to say that like, well, I don't want to go down some like, you know, heady, heady thing right here, but like, <laughs> like seeing yourself with light, whatever light represents to you, it's, it's, you know, that's a broadly interpreted sort of metaphor, but like, that was kind of the thing, like seeing yourself and seeing that sort of like inner beauty, uh, of yourself from yourself that's what the art but then it's also literally the moon <laughs> which i love as well cool that's really really great so i know we've alluded to this a little bit before but uh brennan i know you live in seattle when you're not touring and scott i don't think you do live in seattle but where do you live no i live in denver okay cool so how was it uh playing with a band that uh, coming into a recording session where you don't necessarily have prior musical relationships established, especially between Scott, you and the rest of the band, like the rhythm section. I mean, I would say that there is enough trust simply through Brennan. You know, it's like 
if Brennan says, oh, I got these guys, these are the guys, then I'm already going to be, fr I'm already friends with them, even though I don't know them, you know? And especially it's like, so, so I didn't know those guys, but I trusted Brennan. And actually I had met some of those guys on some earlier dip gigs, but I had, certainly hadn't been in, in the, this kind of like musical environment with them, but I just trusted Brennan implicitly and knew that that would not be a problem. And of course it wasn't. Um, and all those guys are absolutely amazing stellar musicians and, it was just a, there was no, no uh, bumpiness or friction as a result of us not having done that before. On the contrary, it felt super organic and natural and easy. That's fantastic. In the best yeah. way. Yeah. These guys are great. So this was recorded in 2019, right? That's correct. Uh, yet released <laughs> in 2022. Yeah. There uh, was something that happened in the middle there. I don't remember. A little really. bit, a little bit. Why... The, the delay, I guess. I mean, obviously COVID, but yeah, I think part of the delay. So we recorded it like January first or second for two days there, right at the beginning of 2019, and that was just kind of the window of time it made sense to record it. And then we both kept touring most of that year, throughout the year with Odessa, and then kept touring with the Dip. Scott was doing his thing. And then COVID happened. So I, I, we didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to mix it, sit down and mix it during 2019. Then COVID happened. And then it just kind of fell, fell to the side, <laughs> fell to the side. And yeah. I was like, just kind of hanging out in the vault. And we knew that we wanted to finish, you know, get it over the finish line. And then really like at Tom, Tom Eddie, his behest, he was like, dude, we just need to get in there and mix that thing. <laughs> And there was also kind of um, a lot of work on the front end to kind of whittle the music down because at the end of that session, we, we basically just hit record and recorded for two days. So we, there was like six hours of music probably recorded and just a lot of listening through, um, figuring out what we wanted to be on the record and then how to kind of put it all together like, like a puzzle um, before we mixed it. And then once we got in there, Tom and I got in there and mixed, it was really fast. We did a fully live mix on it. So we ran it through a 16 track outboard, you know, like a board and to get some nice EQs and sounds. And we just did the live faders. We, we performed the mix live. Basically, oh, wow. That's was, awesome. That is great. Yeah. So, yeah. And then it was just got it mastered and it was all done. Very cool. So I noticed this was also apparently the debut release on Spacefire Records. Is that correct? That's correct. What is Spacefire Records? Spacefire Records is the record label that I am starting, um, even though right now it's kind of like just I've just been doing a lot of recording this past year and slowly starting to release those things and basically just trying to make uh, – um, a brand with which to organize all of the music that's in this vein that I'm trying to do either independently or collaboratively. And um, I kind of had this idea for a little bit and was making a little bit of progress from another time this record was finishing. And I was like, hey, you guys, you know, want to do this thing with me or or just under this name? It's, it's pretty loose right now. If any, Like I said, if anything, it's more, I mean, what a label is and isn't is so nebulous these days professionally anyway. But at, at this point, it's just trying to be something 
to gather um, a lot of the music. I've been recording with my friends in New York, these guys in Seattle, trying to get some more Denver stuff together. And so um, I basically asked Brennan for permission to see if we could do this record on my label and he graciously obliged. And so it's the first official release of Spacefire Records. That's awesome. Yeah. Very nice. Congrats on that, by the way. Thanks. So have you or do you plan to perform this set live with this group of people? I remember when the announcement for this record came out, it was like on social media and it just hit saying, here's the record, go listen to it. And I don't remember seeing any announcements of any shows or like uh, things that or like a tour or whatever that went along with it. So, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. That's very astute observation. <laughs> um, not a lot of pomp and circumstance around the release. I mean, after such a long amount of time, it was I was just so just happy to put it on, put it up. You know, um, we had talked a lot about playing shows in Seattle or Denver originally when we were still touring together. Uh, we had dreams of of being able to like put on shows in whatever city that we happen to be in on off day with different local musicians and stuff i'm sure at some point we'll uh we'll figure out a way to play this music live but uh, as of now there's there's nothing on the books yeah i basically just want to come to seattle and you brennan you and me just find whoever we can to play it and then just go play yeah maybe i mean one of the reasons maybe you guys want to play <laughs> i see keys and drums we just we're we're, pre- we're more than halfway there <laughs> yeah this this project has joyfully as opposed to like dismissively been a labor of love and so it it fell by the wayside just because you know i guess the first step was just to kind of get it done it really helped to have that push from tom eddie as well and now you know yeah we should we should get some gigs it just takes some foresight and planning and everyone's busy and blah 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 but that's no excuse and i'm hopeful that it'll happen i don't know maybe next year who knows? Let's see. Nice. Well, Let's we're try. absolutely looking forward to it. Well, uh, here's another thing to look forward to. We're going to listen to another song on this record. Let's check out a different track called Madrona Song.
Okay, this song is quite a bit different than Mirror of Light, and I love them both, but they're totally different. This one starts with the drum solo. Um, I love Evan's playing, by the way. And of course, I have a bunch of questions. I guess I'll start with uh, Madrona song. Brennan, you're from Seattle. Are you from Madrona? I'm not from Madrona, but uh, I I do live close to Madrona. Are those things related? They are not. It's not related to the neighborhood um, as more so as just the the lovely tree that is oh, okay. ubiquitous in the Pacific Northwest. And is this one a Brennan composition then? 
This one is, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Tell us what went into this. What were you thinking about when you wrote it? Um, mostly I was really just thinking melodically on this. The I think it's a pretty strong melody. Scott and I, it's a unison horn melody. And I was just in my head and more so the approach um, to these compositions was um, just kind of creating opportunities to improvise. I took a lesson with Tim Byrne many years ago, and that was one of the things that stuck through. He says a lot of his compositions he just views as as an excuse to get something started, and then you kind of it just devolves into improvisation and trying to blur the line there. Um, so I just was like, all right, I just need to turn this this melody that I have into kind of a vibe that um, that we can explore and create uh, create a fuller piece and give people a chance to improvise and i thought you know it'd be fun to have evan start with a drum solo because um, you don't really hear a lot of songs start with drum solos and you would never really know where it was gonna go just starting with the drum solo and i thought it was a cool opportunity for him to set it up was it a like a predetermined decision to kind of keep that uh austin other rhythm happening throughout most of the song or was that just kind of something that happened that was totally something that happened there was cool not very many predetermined um rules in this session in general i think it was like scott was alluding to earlier we, it was kind of a trust thing that people would just kind of do what felt right and we didn't have we didn't have any kind of ideas really for for the ensemble sound, we kind of wanted that to just kind of develop naturally and see what people wanted to bring to the group. So, yeah, I think the ostinato just kind of kept going, even though it could have easily as it could have stopped just as easily. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing when things like that occur so organically in the studio that once it ends up on the track, it feels like it defines so much of the mood of the song even even though it's something that happens organically sure yeah and i i would say too like in terms of trying to get people to just do their own thing one of the things that we thought about before the session and we started out just hitting the record button and doing a lot of free improvisations and the first couple notes that you hear on the record are actually the first sounds that we made as an ensemble together which i thought was a cool way to start the record out and it's a cool way to start the record. Yeah. And so we kind of, from that point, you can kind of feel like everybody started to find their, their roles and places. And, and yeah, it was really kind of comfy, cozy after that. My favorite part about this music is setting up those scenarios where, yeah, you go in with a tune with an idea, but, and I like the way you kind of paraphrase what Tim Burns said, Brennan, it's like, really, it's just an excuse to get together and be open to some exciting things that are going to happen. And it's less about, hey, this is exactly what I'm looking for. There's a degree of that and maybe a varying degree between the tunes that we brought, but just setting up that random organic instances and, and set in a, approaching the music in a way that highlights that that's to me what it's all about i like to approach life that way sometimes too <laughs> <laughs> they are one and the same yeah <laughs> yeah very nice so i'm going to call back to yet another thing that's been alluded to already uh tom eddie who happens to be the lead singer from the dip recorded this album at the studio that the dip records at is that right 
That's correct. Cool. What was the recording process like for this band in particular? How is that different from Sessions with the Dip? Yeah, Tom has recorded a few like more jazz-oriented records in that space, but not so much that um, that there's kind of like a you know a standardized system. Generally, it's we record really simply. I think I'm trying to remember how many drum microphones there were. Usually, with the dip, we use, <laughs> we'll use like one drum microphone or maybe two. Um, we have that's a stand-up. That's it. We have a stand-up piano in there. That one had two. We put two microphones on that on the piano, and we just tried to get a really roomy kind of sound. Um, we recorded with a computer, which is something we don't usually do with the dip either because it seemed like it would make it easier. Does the dip yeah. record a tape? Yeah, we record the tape. Oh, you're um, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, That's it's cool. a kind of vibe that we've come to really love, and it um, enhances the sound of that band in ways that we really like. Um, for this project, since, like I said, we, were, we basically just hit record and recorded for two days straight, uh, tape wasn't the right move for that. We just needed to get it recorded somewhere and then then we ended up kind of putting it through some of that same gear to give it you know similar kind of warmth and different vibe than just straight into the computer but yeah the process i mean it was really very simple i would say we kind of tried to get good sounds and then let let the performance kind of shine through and try to create a live sounding record and yeah pretty stoked on how it turned out yeah that's awesome well how can people keep up with how you guys are approaching this project or other projects that you're working on well i'm on scott flynn music on instagram um i haven't really launched a digital platform from spacefire records yet because uh because i just haven't gotten around to it yet no good excuses there what wait wait is there an instagram page uh just right now mine scott flood music is is kind of the center of, of what oh. i'm doing and i have I a... found a spacefire records instagram page i don't know if that's oh. you or somebody else <laughs> <laughs> wow i could find out that my uh that my fledgling <laughs> business is already cut as of today <laughs> Yeah, I've been, it's, I don't know, it's been a blip between the last one with Odessa. I also just uh, bought a house and moved and uh, a three-year-old daughter. So I, I am trying to get this going. It's just been kind of a busy season. <laughs> Sounds like I'm making excuses on, on the interview, but that's just where it's at. Um, Those are not small yeah. things to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, for me, you can usually check out all my dates at brennancarter.com. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's chumpet at T-C-H-U-M-P-E-T. I really like that. That's awesome. <laughs> that makes me laugh every time I see it. So the story <laughs> of that, uh, real briefly, was um, I studied music education and jazz studies at University of Washington. And when I was doing my music education um, student teaching at an elementary school, a third grader wrote me a letter and uh, she said, I love the sand of your trumpet. And she was trying the to say sand so, of your trumpet. Yeah, she was That's trying to awesome. say the sound of your trumpet, but it <laughs> came out sand of your trumpet. And yeah, it's been my 
Instagram handle since then. That's pretty great. Have you communicated with this person since to let them know that it's changed your internet identity? I haven't, but they're probably in college now. It's been a while. (laughs) Cool. Well, we're coming up on time here. Thank you so much for this beautiful music. And thank you for joining us for uh, this podcast episode. Uh, Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. you Real pleasure. Really, absolutely. For all of you listeners out there, you've been listening to Jazz Talk Seattle. We'll see you again next month.